Well, welcome back, adventurers, to another exciting episode of the Dirty Twenties podcast. My name is Marcus Stusick, and with me, as always, we have four ritzy and red-hot role players. Ain't none of them a rube, though some of them are a little bit cold right now. Uh, please introduce yourselves, adventurers. My name's Cricket. Uh, wait, no. I'm rich and I play Cricket. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> You'll get it one of these days. It's okay. Yeah. My I'm... name is Toby and I'm playing Lonlin. <laughs> Ew, well, that doesn't then. feel good. You're right. Um, I'm Craig and I'm going to be playing Salem. I'm going to be... I'm Marcus and I'm going to be playing God. <laughs> wow. wow. That's not even how I would normally describe my job. But, uh... <laughs> I guess. Yeah. All right. Sure. I'll take it. Why not? <laughs> and we're the Dirty Twenties, and we're having an existential crisis. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Who am I? I don't even know no, that's, anymore. That's Marcus. Oh, that's right. Wait, Marcus, you have to introduce yourself because you're playing. Oh, right. Of course. Sorry. Yeah, I'm Emily, and I'll be playing Lizette. There we go. There Obviously. We go. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to introduce it the way Richard introduces. Hi, I'm Lizette, and I'm going to be playing Emily. Horrifying <laughs> 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 concept. <laughs> I mean, that one might be accurate. <laughs> <laughs> that one sounds more accurate, actually, to be honest. Really, it does. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, for anybody who's just listening to this episode for the very first time, welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us. And I'm sure you'll figure out who people actually are at some point. Uh, <laughs> so without further ado, let us recap where we left off. So, last we left off, our intrepid adventurers on contract to MacGuffins Incorporated were searching for an artifact, uh, an item, a relic, something that had been uncovered near the city of Bleakspire in the southern frigid mountains. We found them uh, in Olmeneus. They attempted to quickly get out of Dodge uh, after a little bit of information was shared to them by Aloysius MacGuffin that if he had found out about their travels or their shenanigans aboard the passenger liner, then likely the Grub Tongues had too. And so, in a quick dash to leave Olmeneus, they managed to successfully, through an incredible amount of luck, come upon a parade. And singing on a float on this parade was Mr. Earlfish Presley, a fish very much ahead of his time, a musician of superior renown, admired by Johnny the Marid. Johnny the Marid uh, happened to be watching the show from the float, and as you approached, you conveyed the seriousness of your need to get out of there and uh, you conveyed the seriousness of your need to get out of Dodge quickly and Johnny, acting on his promise from earlier, sent you forward into the water and used the waterways to get you as close to Bleakspire as he could. But you hit your heads upon a invisible wall which surprised Johnny. He deposited you on the shore and you saw a 10-foot-tall wall of snow. Johnny said that you were 31 uh, miles away from Bleak Spire 
And with that, you be proceeded to push in to this snowy terrain, uh, not really waiting for any sort of warmth or planning, just moving towards the center. And after about an hour in this frigid environment, you saw a shape burst out of the snow as a young Remmer has with fire coming out of its body, but also some weird corruption, some necrotic energy pouring forth from it. Uh, very quickly dealing this thing some sharp blows, uh, aided by an aberration named Grace that was summoned forth by Lizette who was really insistent on trying to make you a mean pizza. Uh, you eventually decided to turn back around and try to exit out of this incredibly cold environment. And as you were leaving, led by Pierre, your intrepid grung ranger, you came, uh, came across this snowy village that seemed odd that all of the snow that you'd been walking on top of so much of it hadn't accumulated in this town this town seemed weirdly bereft of that amount of snow but you saw dozens of figures mostly gnomes and dwarves frozen in place literally frozen with their skin turned almost entirely to ice and looking for a place to find a rest. You entered a home uh, with a cowering frozen statue of a dwarf in the corner, broke up the table, and made a fire in order to have a little bit of a rest and get out of the cold. So, that's where we left off. What would you like to do? Would you guys be taking a short rest or a long rest, do you think? I think we just did a short rest. Um, actually, no, we didn't decide yet. Uh, yeah, we just kind of left it off as you guys were starting a rest, so you could do whatever you would like. I, I don't, uh, you know, I don't really trust this area, uh, considering a bunch of them are just kind of frozen solid. Do we want to maybe uh, just do a short one, just to like warm ourselves up a little bit? I have no objections to that. Th that would be preferable, yes. Lonlin is staring at the dwarf huddled in the corner. Yeah. Uh, perfect. So yeah, you can either take a short rest. Uh, Lonlin, as you're staring at this dwarf in the corner, are you looking for anything in particular? Or what's kind of Lonlin's feeling about this? Um, she kind of wants to try and gauge their facial expression. Like, if they look familiar... Um, just kind of trying to get an idea of like what they were feeling before they got iced. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, make me a perception or an insight check, whichever you would prefer. Uh, that's a 14 on okay. perception. Perception. Okay, perfect. Uh, yeah, you can absolutely see this uh, dwarf. They don't look they're not like familiar to you necessarily. You don't see them and be like, Oh my God, it's my uncle Johnny, but it's <laughs> uncle Johnny. Uh, <laughs> no. you, of course there is like a resemblance in that they are a dwarf, but uh, you don't see any instant like sense of kinship with the 14 uh, with, a, with that perception. Uh, I think even with just that like 14 perception, you do feel that 
what they were feeling as they were frozen was utter fear. Uh, it seems like they were quite literally frozen in fear. Okay. Uh, she'll walk back to the fire and plop herself down and say, uh, yeah, short rest. Sounds good. Perfect. Yeah. Ludlin, are you okay? Yeah, it just... It's weird being in a town full of frozen people. And we don't know why. And I just hope we can find out what we can do. Yeah. I'm, I'm seconding that thought. Let's warm up first and we can tackle the issue when we're all uh, can, able to feel our toes again. I enjoy feeling my toes. Never quite thought I would be taking them for granted. You know, I, I heard that if you lose your, your like pinky toe, you have to like relearn how to kind of, how to kind of walk a bit. I might, I might be wrong. I might be wrong, but like, it's weird. Uh, there's only one way to find out. Not it. Pierre pipes up from his like uh, slab of stone on top of the wood stove that you guys uh, lit uh, and he says oh sorry I was asleep I guess I'm it um, sorry uh, what what am I it for I missed it oh, no no you darling no no do you, do you need something? Yeah. I can go out and get something for you. No, no, just, just no. Uh, no, be you, it means you're the best. Yes. So you're, you're, oh. you're the best. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Um, well, I'm, that, that feels, that, that feels very good. Uh, uh, and they just kind of like curl back up like a dog finding that like perfect spot and then just like curl onto the warm stone. Uh, and they seem incredibly happy to be very warm. Nobody hurts Pierre. He's <laughs> <laughs> too pure. <laughs> I don't think anyone thought like, they were like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go <laughs> maim this poor little crumb. <laughs> <laughs> but we did. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so, yes, you can absolutely take like an hour uh, as you sit there. You do all begin to feel that warmth seep into your bones. Lisette, you feel that level of exhaustion leave you just being by this fire. Uh, you feel yourself reinvigorated a little bit. And after about an hour, everyone feels good and you feel like you could brave uh, what uh, Pierre assumes is probably about half an hour more of the incredible cold before you just get into regular mountain cold. I, I, I prefer the regular mountain cold. So uh, do we want to figure out what happened here first or head off immediately? I don't think we're equipped to handle the cold. Um, I, 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 what do you guys think? Well, I, I, I don't want to leave them behind, but 
I'd prefer to come back with a, a thicker jacket. I think one thing you would have noticed as well is that even though this hut is a lot warmer because the wood stove has burnt, has been burning, the frozen figure in the side, like in the corner, uh, looks just as icy and frigid as it did when you entered. Uh, I, I wonder if it's kind of petrification. Like, can we bring them back alive? Uh, feel free. Give me an arcana check, Richard. Uh, <laughs> I mean, with jack of all trades, I don't have a negative. <laughs> Silver lining. Hey, uh, Lizette, do you want to maybe uh, help me out or you do it? <laughs> I got a 14, so that's not too bad, but uh, you sound smart. I, I mean, I'm flattered. Yes, I, I am smart. I'm, I, I guess I could assist you. That's a 16. That's All right. two better than mine. <laughs> uh, I think with a 16, uh, Lizette, you definitely get the sense that this is very similar to petrification, as Cricket pointed out. Um, it's it's a kind of a similar thing, and it, there's definitely, like, a whatever has happened, it resists conventional warmth to thaw. Wait, sorry, was that an arcana check? It was. Oh, sorry. Uh, 26. Oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah, Jesus. Flat 16. Okay, just kidding. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, in that case, this is definitely, um, this is definitely magical. Uh, this is uh, very much like petrification. It is uh, like kind of like a flesh to stone kind of spell as well, but it's a flesh to ice. Um, and I think with the 26, you get the sense that whatever has happened here, uh, they would remain as ice, even if you put them like in the caldera of a volcano. They might die from the heat potentially, but uh, you get the sense that whatever happened, uh, this is some sort of magical ice that is totally resistant to the ambient temperature around it. It is just ice. Um, and I think with the 26 as well, as you're looking, you definitely get the sense that there is life force within each of these statues. Uh, these creatures are still alive, but they are perpetually locked in ice. Can I touch one? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, as you reach out to touch it, it is very cold to your hand, but only about probably like what you, it's pretty much what you would expect ice to be. Like it's not abnormally cold it is just that you know that as you like if you were to try to do something to thaw them it's going to be a really hard spell to try to undo basically well um it seems to me that it's, it's some kind of petrification spell that was correct cricket um but it's instead of stone it's fleshed ice so I mean, you're not going to like this, but they're all still alive. No, that's a good thing, isn't it? That means we can undo what happened and they can just live again, right? Uh, in theory, yes, but it it's going to be an exceptionally difficult thing to reverse. I mean, 
you're the smartest person I know. If you can't solve it, you no, know, you you can solve it, right? I mean, I can she's, I can try. I, I don't really have too much access to academia out here. She's like looking up with you. These like large, like amber eyes, like very hopeful. It's it's like disappointing a puppy. <laughs> you can oh. never disappoint me. Oh God, you're just okay. Um, this is this is the exact same thing that happens back at the archives with. Anyway, we can try, but it might require quite the effort to figure out. Yeah, well, we'll head out. We'll come back. We just, we just need to be prepared. Right. Um, Marcus, do I know, like, how long these people have been petrified? Uh, yeah, I think with the 26 Arcana, um, you get the sense that, like, I think part of that, what you see is, like, kind of the amount of snow that's piled on the figures outside and stuff. Um, you get the sense that it's probably been a few days, but probably not, like, an eternity or anything. You get the sense that this is probably within the last, uh, five to ten days is probably what you figure. Um, I think as well with a, um, with that, you do know that, uh, probably the best spell to kind of recover each of these would be a greater restoration per statue per person. Okay. Um, well, I mean, if they've already been here about a week, can't see how a couple more days won't make that much of a difference. Except the unspeakable terror of being frozen solid and having to watch the world pass you by. Uh, shall we head out? <laughs> Wait, Wait the conscious? conscious? <laughs> yes. Jinx. I said we're alive. Double jinx. Hail jinx. Uh, <laughs> Should we then maybe move them in a place where they can watch scenery different from what they've already watched then? I just think that it'd be really boring to be, I mean, that dwarf in the corner who's just watching us. <laughs> I mean, you could put on a show for him. That would cheer him up, maybe. Just, I don't have many instruments, and I guess I can perform body percussion? <laughs> I this, don't know that's a tea, though. Is this dwarf, like, frozen to the ground, or is he just frozen? Uh, I think with your earlier perception check and everything, uh, he is just frozen. It seems like whatever has happened uh, is re uh, restricted to their own bodies, basically. Uh, so these things can be moved, these statues, these people. I release you from your drinks. Awesome. Wait, you didn't say my name. Oh, no. She'll like kind of flinch for a second, like kind of preparing for a punch. I release you from your jinx, London. Goodness. Awesome. Why don't you pick that one up and carry it with us? And you're, you're sturdy. You can you can manage that. Right? Maybe? I Yeah, but... Yeah. And yeah, she'll go try and pick up this random prison dwarf. <laughs> bring, it, bring it back with us. And maybe when we get to, to, to Bleak Spire, we, we can... Uh, um, 
unfreeze them and learn a little bit about what happened and perhaps it'll be of some use. Oh, maybe we can strap him to my back. I think that would be easier. Probably. I think I've got some some, some rope. Uh, I think just, um, Lonlin, what is your carrying capacity? Uh, uh, I would definitely be moving at half speed. Um, One dwarf, let me see here. Uh, My strength is five, but like I don't have any special abilities to carry extra stuff, and I'm already wearing armor plus long sword, Uh, shield, hand axes. I think plus random equipment. You could could have some ideal moment. This ice uh, dwarf weighs significantly more than a non ice dwarf would. Um, Yeah. You know, I could, yeah, I could definitely uh, enhance ability, uh, but I don't have any more uh, second tier s- slots, so I'd also target someone else. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like, it would be possible for you to carry it, but this is going to be like, it is going to slow you down for sure. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, no, uh, Lon would just say, uh, uh, Cricket, why don't you hold on to your spell? I, I think I got this, and if I need help, I'll, I'll let you know. Well, okay, I don't don't feel afraid to ask. I got, I got a decent amount of these things. <laughs> uh, perfect. Yeah, so you can absolutely strap that to your back, but you will like basically the group is now going to be traveling at half speed because you're going to have to try to keep like keep up with Lonin or have Lonlin keep up with you rather. Uh, so it means that you'll have like another hour uh, to get to the boundary. Basically, is kind of what this entails. I'm going to sneakily cast Enhance Ability on Lonlin. <laughs> she doesn't know. And she's, she's just that much more of a badass. Uh, can you make a, either, either a deception or a sleight of hand check for me? I'll make a deception check. That's good. All right. Hey, guess what? That's a dirty 20. Starting the new year off right. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty twenties. Woo. All right. Nice. I, I think it's an audio uh, podcast, but I'm dancing every single time I hear that tune. <laughs> uh London, I think as you pick this up, at first it feels really like substantially heavy. Um and a, like a little bit after you start walking away with it, you get the sense that, oh, you know what? It like it just you just needed to kind of get used to the weight. Uh, as you start walking, suddenly it feels like everything is lighter. And yeah, you feel kind of this energy flow into you as you are able to carry this uh, and it doesn't heavily encumber you. Oh, she'll look really confused for a moment <laughs> and then just kind of talk to herself and be like, oh, wait, I haven't worked out for a while. Wait, have I always been this strong? <laughs> the limiters have been removed. <laughs> and she'll just, you know, take the lead and just charge on, charge on through. Perfect. I'm also going to target myself with the, the second part of the, uh, the spell. Nice. Because it's a higher level spell slot. All right. Uh, excellent. So I, as you guys walk out of this in the direction towards the boundary, uh, Pierre is leading the way, uh, continues pointing areas where the snow is rotten or like tree wells to avoid 
all this stuff. So he's guiding you through um, and actually almost finding it difficult to keep up with Lonlin, who's just like striding powerfully ahead. Um, uh, and eventually after about half an hour, you guys come, you see the, uh, like the big heavy snow upon which you're walking, like 10 feet of snow. You see what looks like a cliff face in front of you. Um, and Pierre says, I believe we've come to the edge there. Uh, everyone, thank you very much for, um, keeping me alive. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm very grateful. Well, you're part of the, the crew now. Uh, the, the new Faded Five, as it so is. <laughs> oh, good. Well, um, should we uh, exit and get somewhere not so god-awfully cold? I like this plan. Agreed. Perfect. Uh, so, yeah, as you get to the edge, you see that it is like a probably an eight-foot drop because there is snow on the ground on the other side. It's an eight-foot drop. You could either try to dig your way down or you could jump down, whatever you want to do. Um, I think it's there is enough snow on the ground that uh, you could easily land properly and not injuring yourself. And as soon as you kind of crest that boundary, it's not that it gets warm, but it just that the cold that was suffusing your bones... Uh, it lessens to an extent that it almost feels balmy by comparison. Uh, it is still probably like minus 10 degrees or something, but compared to what it was just like a second ago, your body almost breaks into a sweat as you jump down or climb down or dig down or however you get down and find yourselves just in what most people would consider a normal snowy environment and as you step through as well, that wind that was kind of ever present, that wind dies away and you're in just cool, still mountain air. There's still wind, but it is not that blizzard gale force that you saw before. Well, that's reassuring. Oh, right. So, um, if if Blixbire is the, uh, uh, we should be able to get there. Uh, well, we could either do, um, one very long day, or we could do, uh, one and a half days of travel with a, a camp in the middle. What what do you think would which would you prefer? Probably the one at the camp. I think we can get away with being safe in the in the less crazy area. Right. All you right. Know, I feel great, but you know, I don't want to push myself. I I don't want to overstep my boundaries. So, yeah, a rest would be good. Also, how long has it been? Because uh, enhance ability only lasts an hour. <laughs> uh, it, it was half an hour basically. Okay. So there's half an hour left. Uh. So, um, yeah, Pierre is happy to lead you, uh, kind of, uh, I think Pierre thinks the quickest way to Bleakspire, uh, is to actually just skirt kind of the outside of this perimeter, just to follow it about 10 or so feet away. Just keep, keep it like in range, but just following and walking around it until he gets to 
closer to Bleak Spire itself. Um, you begin walking. It's probably around like mid afternoon, almost by the time you leave, because you arrived fairly early in the day. Then you walked for a little bit and then had a rest. Uh, so it's about like early afternoon, mid afternoon kind of thing as you are beginning to walk through this uh, mountainous area, keeping the perimeter about 10, 15 feet away from you, just off to your side. Uh, as you begin, or as you continue walking through, you feel that cold is still, like it's still there, it's still cold, but it's not as pervasive. It's not as like horrible to be in. So you guys can walk for uh, about four hours before you actually need to start making constitution saving throws. So... Uh I'm oh, yeah. going to be enhancing ability uh, using my last third and fourth level spell slot uh, to try and <laughs> make sure that Lala doesn't uh, exhaust herself there. Perfect. Yeah, Lonlin, for you, it just feels like, uh, yeah, you're good to keep walking. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, how many hours of enhanced ability can you do there? Um, only two. Only two. Uh, so, do you want for to? The, for the second hour, though, three of us are feeling mighty strong. <laughs> and who is the third? Uh, I'm going to choose uh, instead of myself for the for the first one. It's going to be Lizette and Salem. Oh hell oh, yeah! Yes. <laughs> Perfect. It can hold so many books. um and as you are kind of getting to the end of that two and a half hour mark from walking uh, or of after leaving the the one exterior of the thing um do you want to rest then like kind of as the in uh enhanceability is wearing out or do you want to keep going and reduce a little bit of your travel pace. Uh, Cricket would uh, vouch for the, the chilling of... Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, feel, I feel great. I mean, it's, it's, it's like the cold never bothered me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, I think, Salem, yeah, you just felt like you, like you were like resistant to the cold and then eventually you just let it go. And yeah, yeah, the cold yeah. never bothered you anyway. Yeah, yeah I went straight into the great unknown, and it was just. Elsa, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, sorry, uh, Salem, dude, it's, they're close words. I, I knew an Elsa back in college. Oh, she yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite all right. I, I get confused for, for that all the time. It's, yeah. Really? Yeah. All right, that's fair. Um, so oh, I've got a wig for it. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I feel a little bit parched. Maybe a, a rest would be in order. Uh, well, I guess if you're not feeling great, then I suppose we could stop. <laughs> yeah. So like the enhance ability wore off for everyone, right? Um, yes. Pretty much well, as this conversation is happening, the enhance ability will wear off in like a minute or two. Well, I'm like falling behind a bit and she's sort of wavering kind of just like yeah 
yeah, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to arrest. I, I think I, I think I hit that third wall there. Yeah. Uh, yes, of course. Well, uh, this area right over here, uh, it's nice and sheltered. Uh, looks like uh, would be a good place. Uh, I'm sorry that we're, you know, uh, I don't have much. Uh, and then like Pierre kind of leads you over to an area, uh, sets down his bag of holding uh, and pulls out a few things, uh, hands like a big bundle of clothing, whatever Salem isn't wearing, uh, hands them to Salem and basically says, uh, Salem, uh, uh I apologize. Please just, I'll put these back in in a moment if you can just hold on to them. Um, uh, and then reaches into the bag of holding and pulls out, um, well, it's like a, a, a big roll of fabric. Uh, and they kind of, uh, they grab it and they shake it. And they have a tent, which is about six foot by six foot. So it's a fairly big tent for a grung. But for all of you, it's quite small. Uh, and Pierre is like, um, so I apologize. It's it's not much. I, I can't um, I can't do more, but we could, I guess, get cozy. Um, and uh, Pierre uh, kind of looks inquiring at you like, is it OK? Oh, yeah, no, totally, totally. It's better for warmth if we're closer together. Oh, yes. Good. Uh, well, I'll I'll start uh, making a fire and gathering supplies. And uh, anybody hungry, I can go catch some fish. I, I think I hear a river very close by. Yes, please. Perfect. Uh, and Pierre like poof, uh, bounds off into the trees, and you see them. You see him like jumping from tree to tree to tree to tree, kind of like Mario bounce jumping, uh, just like from tree to tree to tree. Uh, I can learn how to do that. (laughs) I'd be happy to show you. Please. (laughs) Uh, I like his energy. Yeah, he's a good bean. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So Pierre goes off, finds some food, builds a little campfire for you, and sets up his tent, which is fairly small. Um, but uh, yeah, you find you're able to have a little bit of a rest. And I think because you stopped a little earlier, none of you have to make a constitution saving throw. I think with the fire going, everything, you can have enough rest. Uh, is there anything you guys want to do before we continue on with the next day? Uh, Lomlin would want to position the dwarf kind of outside of the tent as if to kind of arrange them to look like they might be keeping watch, even though they're not. Um, nice. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> uh, would anybody, uh, would everyone sleep at the same time? Or are you guys going to keep watch? Oh, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't have to sleep anymore. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, <laughs> I took, I go, oh, what? I can't remember what I took. It was a feat where I, from the archives that I don't have to sleep anymore. <laughs> so much more time for reading. <laughs> I can see in the dark quite well. So I'll, uh, I don't mind taking a, a later watch. I'll just rest. I think probably not a bad idea. Wake me up if you think you see something. I'll use my elven eyes for 
see him. <laughs> what do I have to see, Cricket? Yeah. <laughs> right now, there's just a lot of snow and a tent I want to sleep in. <laughs> uh, for um, for you, Marcus, it's it's an invocation called Aspect of the Moon, which basically means that instead of sleeping during a long rest, I read. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god, that Nerd. is... Nerd. <laughs> Specifically, I read the tome, the warlock tome, so... <laughs> Have fun! <laughs> oh, that is spectacular, and, and very on-brand with Lizette, for sure. Also, I can't be made to sleep. So oh sleep my god. Wow. All right. Uh... So, um, is everyone's going to take a little shift on watch, I assume. Um, a woman think- can take the first watch with um, Lizette, since okay. she's reading, and then, yeah. Perfect. Uh, London and Lizette, can you each roll me a perception check, or one of you can assist the other? But I guess, London, you already get advantage with your shield. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it seven? <laughs> Shit. That's with advantage? The other one was a three. Oh I rolled God. a one, so... <laughs> oh, wow. This is fine. Oh, wow. Everything, right. Everything's great. <laughs> um, yeah, so describe your watch for me. What are you guys doing as you are uh, sitting and, uh, you know, taking watch? Um... Well, Longlin is trying to kind of take in their surroundings, but as long or uh, as Lizette is reading, she her attention kind of drifts back, and she's kind of trying to sneak a peek to see what she's reading, but also <laughs> trying not to be obvious about it. So her attention to their surroundings is not a hundred percent. If Longlin looks over, it it is more of the same, where it's just a whole bunch of different languages. <laughs> Uh, after about like an hour and 15 minutes or so of the everyone else going to, going to bed and sleeping, um, you hear a voice over your shoulder saying, "Mm, what are you? Uh, That's that's a very um, existential and bold question. Um, what 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 are you? Uh, do you turn around? No. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. If I don't see it. It doesn't exist. <laughs> Put my feet in my sleeping bag. <laughs> uh, you hear? Hmm. A good query. I'm a tree. Well, that tells that. As this tree speaks, you kind of hear this like wind through trees or like rustling of branches. And you actually feel a little bit of like a fine dusting of snow fall kind of on your head as you get the sense that something is leaning over top of you. Lonan? Uh huh. You I wasn't hear. reading. I I wasn't eavesdropping. What? Uh, you you hear that, right? Did uh, did Longlin hear that? Longlin did hear that for sure. 
Oh, I thought it was one of your creepy little friends. <laughs> See, that's what my, that's what I thought as well. But I have a sneaking suspicion that we have a visitor. Mm, I would say that you are my visitors. Lillian is absolutely going to go look at this, like, where the voice is coming from, like, <laughs> sword and shield out. Just, like... <laughs> uh, as you turn around and look, you see a full-on, like, 40-foot-tall tree is just leaning over, um, and there's snow on a bunch of the branches, and as it moves, some of the snow kind of falls to the ground, and you see in the bark of uh, the trunk... Roughly, like, probably 20 feet up, but it is leaning forward so that the it is maybe only actually 15 or 12 feet above uh, the ground. Uh, there is this bearded face with, like, a whole bunch of snow coating it, and the snow is actually creating some sort of, like, beard shape. Uh, is that... Are trees usually sentient? Usually is a very broad term when we're referring to the universe as a whole. Um, is it yes or no? I just... <laughs> I've known many intelligent trees, but a few of us speak. Right. Um, what do you want? To know what you are doing here. Well, we are, uh, we have a campsite. We are setting up shop, so to speak. Is there a problem? I mean, where are you going? And where do you come from? Well, um, Lonlin, would you like to take this one? You seem to be the ambassador of the group. What? <laughs> kind of <laughs> stares up at this tree. She'll smile and look nervous as hell. And uh, she'll ask, uh, I, I didn't catch your name. Mm. Ma'am, sir? My name Them? <laughs> is Douglas Furbanks. Is it a Pokemon like a professor at this point? Because it's got all the credentials. <laughs> Uh, no, it is a Douglas fir called Douglas Furbanks. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. <laughs> and your name? Uh, my name is Lonlin. Hmm. I, I don't have a last name. <laughs> <laughs> Roll me a deception check. Okay. <laughs> uh, 16. 
16. Uh, the tree you watch is like one of the branches off to the side comes forward, uh, like away from where you are, shakes off the snow uh, and brings it forward. And almost as if it's like kind of waiting for a handshake. Uh, Douglas Furbanks says, my pleasure to meet you, Lonlin, without the last name. It is lovely to meet you too, and she'll take the branch and give it a light shake and just kind of look back to Lizette and kind of give her that like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Salem and Cricket, can you please both just uh, give me a perception check with disadvantage because you are sleeping? Sure. Yeah. I got a 14. Okay. I've got a... Uh, I've got a 16. 16. Uh, Cricket, you do not hear this, but Salem, you hear something outside. You hear uh, a, a voice that you don't recognize, and it kind of pulls you out of your sleep. Alice? Everything all right out there? Yeah, we're just making some friends. Help her. Who are you? Uh, And the branch actually like comes down and pulls back the tent flap, and you see Salem. Uh, this full-on tree bends down. Oh, I, I don't. I have to take off a sleep mask first. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I'm sorry. Don't you think I'd travel that without was, my sleep mask? You know, you're right. No, I'm sorry. That was me presuming something, and I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> then I take off a sleep mask, and I see exactly what you're saying. <laughs> uh, you see this uh, like tree figure bending straight down and Lonlin and Lizette, this tree has now bent almost double um, and its face is probably only four feet away from where you are but it's looking into the tent from about 20 feet away. Oh! Um. Hello? Uh, I'm Salem and you are... My name is Douglas Furbanks. Oh, and I have uh, already met London, who doesn't have a last name. Ah, I, I see. Yes, London, without a last name, is a very valuable member of our party. Um, are you visiting for a reason? I would ask the same of you. And the tree kind of stands back upright a little bit again. And you notice that it shifts ever so slightly uh, and its trunk splits and forms two legs. And it just, just enough to move forward about five feet uh, and kind of looks back towards Lisette. And Lonlin, you are visiting me. No, I think we established that we're not. Mm. So you 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 know that huge snow 
globe back there. Right. And she'll kind of point, point in the direction that they came from. Uh, as you point in that direction, you watch as like this tr- Douglas fir, this big tree uh, shakes for a moment and the snow that had formed uh that kind of formed its beard is fully shaken off. An abomination. If you represent that creature or space, we uh, oh, are. Oh, sorry. No, what were you saying? No, no, no. no, sorry. No, no, no. We're, we're here because of that. Like we, we want to help stop that. Um, we we came through there, and we don't know what's causing it. But you seem to know a great deal. It is unnatural cold that kills, snow that buries young saplings before they can grow to proper prominence. It is bad it's very bad and she'll kind of point to the dwarf who's currently positioned outside of the tent (laughs) (laughs) Mm, yes since it appeared it progresses slowly every day swallowing creatures of the forest and humanoids as well. It's getting bigger. Yes. Every day it encroaches five feet more. Have you measured it? I measure against the trees that I know, the trees in my glen, and which ones become buried in an unnatural storm. Uh, And then they kind of think for a moment, and the tree says, My feet are bigger than yours, though. We'll look at her feet, like her teeny tiny feet in comparison. (laughs) So so, so, so five of your feet. Mm, Yes. What other measurement would I use? Point taken. Uh, Cricket. (laughs) Cricket. Uh, What? What's going on? What? We've got a guest. Don't, what do you mean we've got a guest? Don't don't freak out, Cricket. What do you mean? Why? What? Don't freak out. What's going on? Cricket. Don't freak out. Oh my god! <laughs> Cricket, don't freak out! I'm sorry, that's a lot of wood. It's a little bit unexpected to see this much morning wood, but still. You know what? Hello, the name is Cricket. Yours? Mm. My name is Douglas 
fur banks. That makes sense. Hmm? Why, Why did you wake me up? Uh, b- because we were being visited by a tree. That's fair. That's, th- that is that is fair. I'm... I think he has said on multiple occasions that we are actually visiting it. Well, Thank I, you. Oh. I'm not agreeing with you. I'm just appeasing you because you are quite mm. large and we're all very tired. Mm. But you do not sleep. You take pages made of my brethren and read words upon them. First of all, um, rude. Second, <laughs> <laughs> he called you out. <laughs> Just because I can't sleep doesn't mean I am not rested. You can have you can sleep for hours and still be extremely exhausted. So jokes on you, tree man. Uh, the tree. That, are you arguing with the tree? <laughs> the tree looks at the rest of you uh, and says, "I do not." Get the joke. Can someone and they'll tur- they'll they'll turn back to Lisette. Can you explain the joke to me? It wasn't a joke. It was merely an insult. But you said jokes on me. Yes. Oh Jesus! Don't make me explain vernacular to a tree. It is too early for this. What what is it exactly do you want? I am curious about the visitors to my glen and what they do. We're adventurers attempting to stop the perpetual winter snow globe back there. We are here because... We need to rest, even if some of us don't need to sleep. Why didn't you say so before? Uh, And the tree stands up and like a big smile splits its barky face. uh, And it says, if you seek to stop... The perpetual storm and the creep of unnatural cold. Then you are welcome in my glade. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going. To, I, I'm probably going to go back to rest because I used up a lot of spell slots yesterday. <laughs> oh, that's awfully generous of you. Thank you. Hmm. Yes. Is there any way that I may be of assistance to you? Information? Sorry, cut you off there. No, no, you go. You go ahead, Cricket. I, I'll, I'll kind of saunter back as, as I'm trying to like get out of my sitting bag again. <laughs> um, I mean. If you got information, uh, more the merrier. We need to figure out what's going on around. Have you seen any unsavory types of folk around? Or plant? 
unsavory. Things that don't look good. You know what? Uh, uh, is not in season currently. Nuts. Some nuts are, but they are savory. I, I more mean like people. Uh, this is going to be uh, 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 kind of a metaphor for you. So there are bad people. Uh, you might consider uh, uh, people that chop down trees as bad people. Are there any like that around here who's done bad things? Hmm. Uh, they ponder for a moment and they look kind of towards the dwarf uh, and say, his people used to chop down trees, but not to excess. Is he a bad person? No, no, no. It's more like if you saw anyone who might have been uh, creating this mess, uh, magicians uh, of some sort, dark magic, weird cultists. Hmm. Didn't, didn't you say you saw a creature? Maybe I misheard? Hmm. Many foul creatures came with the cold. Many of my trees are not so fortunate as I to move. Some have been taken as a home. Some of my brethren have been twisted. We did see that. We saw a bunch of trees with weird faces on them. Yes. Fourteen cycles ago, between the moon and the sun, the cold erupted, and I have lost multiple good friends in that time. Sorry, I just have a DM question. Yeah, um, for sure. With the trees being frozen, are they kind of frozen like the dwarf is frozen? Or are they like... Uh, the trees you saw, uh, they were more like um, corrupted in some sort of way. You notice like it looked more like they had become haunted trees. Kind of oh, idea. okay. Yeah, they're not okay. like petrified in the same way. Um, but uh, I think uh, Douglas Furbanks... Uh, relates to you that uh, the trees, when he says that the trees were lost, it's that they were somehow cut off from the natural like microbiome around them. Uh, they were kind of, yeah, I believe the trees became uh, like almost like separate individual entities as opposed to a part of a collective. Wow. Do you know the fastest way to Bleak Spire? I think we're on the right path, but if you know a quicker way, we appreciate it. Hmm. The fastest way. Uh, and they'll kind of lift one of their branches and point back in towards the, the snow globe thing. Uh, kind of a little bit, not directly to the center, uh, pointing in that direction and say, 
That is the fastest way. Oh, sorry. Wait, the place we went to was Bleak Spire? No, um, it's kind of like he's saying the fastest way is to cut through like a section of the. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm stupid. <laughs> no, no, no. That's yeah, that's all good. Uh, so, yeah, he's saying like that is the fastest way. But you do get the sense that the way he's pointing is basically the direction that you're heading. Um, but obviously you're going around the outside. Oh, OK. Gotcha. Well, if you seek to undo this storm, I shall pass word amongst the trees that you shall not be impeded by them. That'll be lovely. Uh, it's not like any thickets or any other kind of branches or all that kind of fun stuff. Nature. Um, that'd be lovely. I shall do what I can, but thickets are dense and hard to control at times. They are oh, like yeah, children. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Hmm. Welcome to my glen. Thank you, Douglas. Yeah. Now that business has been concluded, it has been several years since I spoke. What is the world like outside the forest? Oh God, where do we, where do we begin? Uh, <laughs> are you talking about like villages or cities? Hmm. Yes. Okay, so uh, I'm just going to go into a, a kind of like a, a montage of just explaining life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just go over like my life story of like what I've witnessed, uh, uh, co- corporations, the, all that jazz, business, uh, college, uh, vehicles, gangs, crazy <laughs> shenanigans. And then I realize I need to sleep, so I wave it goodbye. Mm, good night. Thank you for the conversation. Yeah. You have a good night, too. Hmm. Lisette and Lonlin, your shift eventually comes to an end, um, but you now have essentially a tree guardian helping watch over you. So I think actually you are fine. No one needs to make any more checks. Uh, Is there any other business before you wake up in the morning? I think Lisette is going to stay outside. Okay. And continue to read. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I think as you continue to read, uh, Douglas Furbanks does keep kind of like looking over your shoulder and hmm, is it 
a story. Oh, well, um, it, it's, it's a story, um, but so is everything, really, when it's written down. Hmm. Do you care to tell me the story? Uh, I guess I could tell it to you. Um, not sure it'll make too much sense. Um, also, if it's any consolation, um, it's not made of your brethren. I'm 90% sure it's made of skin. Anyway, um... Hmm. Uh, the tree smiles when you say that. It It's a tome that I found a while ago. And as far as I'm aware, it simply just tells me information, facts. It's not really coherent in the way most stories are. Do you like stories? Hmm. Yes. When I was... A sapling. I dreamed one day of becoming an actor. But, alas, it was not to be or not to be. And why is that? Hmm, have you ever tried costuming a tree? Uh, and the tree smiles at you. Um, well, I can honestly say I've never tried costuming a tree, but I think inherently you don't need a costume. But also, doesn't I've... sound your costumers were all that skilled. You can costume an orc. <laughs> And you can costume a dragon, but you can't costume a tree. It's just a tube. <laughs> I didn't want to just play trees. Typecasting is a thing, and it's unfortunate. I wanted to be a romantic lead. Can you not be a romantic lead and be a tree? Can you write such a play for me? Um, I cannot. I am not a playwright, but I can most definitely find some literary work that has a tree lead. When you have access to what is essentially the world's library, there's got to be some kind of tree fiction. Hmm. But none of that dirty stuff. That would be lovely. All right, I will find you some tree fiction. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> uh, and yeah, Douglas Fair Furbanks continues to kind of talk to you, keeps interrupting you every time you start reading after about like 10 minutes. They kind of just pick up the conversation exactly where it was um, as if they were just pondering something. And eventually just came to a thought. Uh, and like at times Salem comes out and joins you. 
uh, for their watch or Cricket comes out for his watch. Uh, Pierre takes the final shift with you as well. Um, and uh, miraculously slept through the entire first encounter with uh, with the tree, but uh, seems very excited to see the tree. Um, and uh, eventually everyone wakes up feeling refreshed or at least the sun rises on Lisette's book and she feels refreshed as well. Um, so you wake up, you feel refreshed. You have a, a nice morning, uh, like a, a breakfast of fish caught by Pierre again. Uh, it's more than enough to satisfy your hunger. And in fact, Pierre uh, dries a little bit for kind of a lunch and you break camp and begin walking. Uh, and as you go, the Douglas Furbanks just uh, waves to you with one of their branches and says, please come find me again soon. We will, once we manage to figure out all this uh, thing. I'll get back to you on the tree-based fiction. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, um, it wasn't elsewhere, but there's no plays that are written about trees that they can find, so I'm going to bring them one. Oh. I wish you the best of luck. That sounds like an interesting challenge. Sounds ter- tree terrific. <laughs> uh, I'm not for the puns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe true are the best of us. <laughs> rubbing off on everyone. <laughs> As an apology, Lonlin will cast aid on Lizette, uh, <laughs> Salem, and Cricket. <laughs> oh, yes, the aid. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so you guys can make it through the day. You can walk in. Um, at around noon the cold does begin to seep into your bones can everyone please make a constitution saving throw okay. oh uh, and Richard do you want to make one for Pierre as well please yes I will all right that's a dirty 20 all right that will never get old, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> no, literally never. Yeah. Dirty uh, 20! Woo! Uh, Pierre got uh, uh, practically double what I... He got more than double what I got. <laughs> I got a 6. Pierre got a 13. Plus a 3. Pierre probably gets 16. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Pierre gets 16. Uh, Cricket, you feel like the interruption in your sleep from the night before... And the cold, as you're walking, you begin to feel more and more fatigued. Um, and kind of towards the end, just as you're about to stop for a little bit to have lunch, you feel yourself just getting more and more tired as you gain one level of exhaustion. Oh, boy. All right. It's a fun time. <laughs> All right. Uh, Emily and Craig, what did you guys get? 17. All right. Nine. Nine. That's with the uh, plus three? 12. <laughs> oh, 
so I think the same thing, uh, that interruption to your sleep, it really messed with your REM cycle. Uh, and, uh, you know, then you had to take a shift midway through and yeah, by the time kind of lunchtime runs, rolls around, you just feel exhausted and you also have one level of exhaustion. Um, but, uh, Pierre says that you guys could take a rest and build a fire, but that it means you'll be walking like the last two hours to bleak spire will be in the dark. Or if you just kind of have a quick bite of food and keep going, you'll probably only be like an hour or even slightly less than an hour in the dark, which Pierre kind of recommends. I agree. I think that's better. Less chance to get mugged or eaten. Well, I mean, out here, I should think if we get mugged, then at least that means we're close to civilization, yes? What if, we, what if we meet some nice, friendly trees? What if the trees mug us? We wouldn't do that, no, right? No. <laughs> I mean, the sentient, so they could. I mean, we met one nice tree. Does, does that suggest that perhaps there's some... some <laughs> no, no, not nice trees? Oh, if there is a lawful good tree... That also means that there is a chaotic evil tree somewhere in the world. <laughs> what, what's lawful good? It is a... Uh, I, I learned about this in class. It's a philosophical uh, discussion of alignment uh, in our world. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's heavily scrutinized and it's, uh, it's outdated, but people still cling on to it like the past. No, uh, my great, 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 great grandparent once believed in that. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. I mean, someone's got it. (laughs) That's unfortunate. Pierre, your family, they have lots of babies, don't they? Yes, we do. Lots and lots of them. All the time, in fact. We are now thinking of all the times Pierre... Has but no, no, <laughs> no, I wasn't until you said it. This is not the conversation to be having at the moment. They're an egg-laying species, and they like it's just a communal thing. It's uh, yeah, almost. Oh my gosh, it's just a communal thing. Don't yeah, say right. communal thing. <laughs> Everyone just kind of pops along. Oh, hey, Grandma! No, what? Oh, no. I'm gonna keep walking. All right. Uh, I'm because I made that worse. I'm not throwing an encounter at you guys, and you get. To... Oh man! Thank yep. you. <laughs> yep, that's a punishment on me for making yep. it so much worse. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so. Uh, you arrive uh, as you kind of get as the sun sets you begin to see things of smoke on the air and you begin to find yourself actually walking along a road and uh, Pierre says that you're only about 45 minutes away from Bleak Spire Um, and just as you come to the end of the day uh, can everyone please make me one more constitution saving throw from walking in this cold? Oh, yeah, Jace is getting retired. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, roll 20. I had really good rolls last session. I'm getting punished now. <laughs> oh no, I got a 22 
Remember, everyone has plus three. Oh, it doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> for me or for Pierre. Oh, no. Uh, so, 22 for Lonlin. Totally fine. The cold is nothing to you. Oh, Lonlin, are you still lugging around the... Uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she's moving at, like, right. half speed. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, I think that's why, yeah, it took, like, kind of, like, the full day into darkness, for sure. Because you've got this frozen statue strapped to your back. Uh, Lizette got a natural one. Very cool. Yep. Very cool. Cricket, what did you get? Bow, 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 bow. I got a, <laughs> a nine and Pierre got a ten. Okay. Uh, with the plus three. Uh, Pierre actually passes with this one. <laughs> Wait, what? DC's only ten out here. It's not 15. I was off by one. You're off by one. Damn it! <laughs> All right. What about Salem? <sighs> Sounds good. Six. <laughs> with with the plus three? Yes. <laughs> uh, so Cricket and Salem, again, walking uh, through this cold environment, you feel your body oh, shiver and tense up, and it just feels so much more effortful as you gain yet another level of exhaustion. Um, Lisette, with a natural one, uh, you were walking, and I think like you kind of had a bit of confidence. Like Cold usually doesn't bother you. Cold usually feels totally normal and totally fine. And I think with a natural one, you actually managed to work up a bit of a sweat, and then the air chilled as the sun set. And that sweat just like iced on your clothing. Uh, and you feel your body really begin to start shivering as you take two levels of exhaustion. Wait. Oh, no. So I believe that's two levels of exhaustion now for Cricket, Salem, and Lisette. Ice. Ice. <laughs> <laughs> and with that we're going to take a little bit of a break the dirty 20s podcast is sponsored this week by julius oranges juicery with exotic fruits from all over the world including bananas oranges, and even guava. Julius Orange's Juicery has the fresh fruit you crave. Why drink boring old water or bitter coffee when you can send your taste buds on a flavor vacation to the tropics? Without even leaving Bleak Spire, you can relax on a beach as you sip the sweet nectar of a pineapple. Or... Feel the salt sea air in your face as you enjoy a smoothie of strawberries and banana. All it takes is a sip, and you'll be transported to a sunny, relaxing hotspot in your mind. And with freshness guaranteed, you can sip easily knowing that your drink contains only the best and most perfectly ripe juices possible. Julius Orange's Juicery, a deliciously good drink. We are also sponsored this week by Frankie's Car Wash, your experts in non-magical detailing. 
Our highly trained staff never use prestidigitation or other cantrips to clean the grime off your automobile, relying instead upon good old-fashioned elbow grease. It may take longer, but the results speak for themselves. If you take pride in your ride and want it to shine all the time, there's no better place than Frankie's Car Wash to get that lasting luster. If you mention this radio advertisement when booking your appointment, you will receive a free application of Dragon Turtle Wax. Nothing protects like it. So come on by Frankie's Car Wash. A wash so good, it can't be magic. So welcome back. Thank you, everyone. We are back from break and our adventures had just finished a long day's march to get to Bleak Spire. Uh, the darkness of the setting sun surrounded them. Uh, several of our adventurers were feeling the cold in their bones as they neared the end of their walk. And as that cold settles in and that fatigue overcomes them, they feel a yeah a sense of fatigue and tiredness, but also with the like increasing signs of civilization, a bit of an energy as you realize that you are in fact close to the city of Bleakspire. And as you crest a hill, even though the sun has set, you see before you in the light of the moon, a beautiful walled city. Uh, it spreads out in a valley below you. But what you notice is that the walls are incredibly tall. And at the very center, there is a monstrous uh, obelisk shape. It is definitely not natural. It is something that has been carved. And from this distance, you don't see any openings in it. You see just this incredibly stark and sheer monolith of a structure in the center of this walled city. And there are a few scattered villages and stuff on the outside, but mostly the defining things you see are that monolith and this wall surrounding it. Uh, and Pierre, as you crest the hill, says, Welcome, everyone, to Bleak Spire. I think yeah. I get it now. Yeah. It does make sense. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty bleak. And there's a big spire there. Yep. It all checks out, that's for sure. Can we find a place to check in, maybe, and um, warm up? Of course. Oh, yeah, I completely forgot about actually exhausted. Oh, my God. <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> you, you know what they say. Mind no over matter. Uh, oh, also, um, I made, uh, I just wanted to correct something. I made a bit of a mistake uh, when Douglas Furbanks was talking about how long the stuff had been there. He said 14 days or 14 cycles of night and moon, um, it would have actually been closer to three weeks since it appeared. So that's me making a mistake and correcting it before I have to do some weird like thing later. So it's been three oh, weeks, basically. 
That makes a lot of sense because I thought 14 cycles meant 14 years. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, forever. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, it wasn't very clear. I was trying to be like all poetic and flowy in my language, and it was just <laughs> confusing. So. I mean, it was very poetic. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so as you approach Bleak Spire, uh, Lonlin, you actually get a sense that as you get closer and closer to these walls, these walls are incredibly similar in make to Argentina Coldhearth's tower. Um, you get a sense that the artisanship is pretty much exactly the same. The stonework and the way it's been cut is very reminiscent of frost giants and cloud giants. Um, and yeah, you see, um, although these walls are like tall enough for a giant's fortress, they're also bisected and crisscrossed by a whole bunch of walkways that are sized for people of much smaller stature of dwarven, gnomish, human, elven size. Um, and the buildings you see, what you actually see as you approach are a whole bunch of small settlements on the outside of Bleak Spire. And um, as you get closer and closer to the walls, sorry, as you get closer and closer to the walls, you see the tops of really big buildings as well. Um, but they don't appear to be perfectly, like they're not... Um, Sorry, you see the tops of these really big buildings, but they all seem to be kind of like built. Things are built on top of them is what I'm trying to say. Like it looks like what you're seeing is uh, as you get closer and then as you pass through the gate into Bleak Spire, you see all of these old, old like giant buildings that have been co-opted or sectioned off or built on top of in order to create housing for people who are not giant sized. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Layered off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's been like, yeah, they've, they've, whatever happened to Bleak Spire, which used to be, it's very obvious this used to be a giant's town or settlement or fort. Um, it has now been taken over by humanoids of much smaller stature. So they've like, yeah, use what they, they've used the existing buildings uh, and built on top of them, built around them divided them, stuff like that. Oh, all right. Wow. Yeah. Now, what are we going to do getting in here? <laughs> More than I preferably? More fire inside, better. Uh, yeah, so you can find, uh, it's very easy for you to find an accommodation. What sort of accommodation are you looking for? You not fun with water. <laughs> oh, we need one with water because Pierre. We've got oh, not one in water. <laughs> oh, um, yes, I think that's mostly an Olmenaeus thing anyway. So I, I think we're probably okay. Um, they might have ones that are like partially snow here, but um, I'm assuming that's not what you want. No. I will agree and uh, take that one. Or not take that one. Oh, away from snow, please. Does that mean they won't have llamas? I I don't know, but um, 
Well, the I mean the 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 Timon Lama was kind of like a, a unique thing, and um, maybe, maybe maybe they'll have goats. Yes, I, I've heard that that's very popular for people doing yoga. Goat yoga? Goat yoga, yes. With baby goats. Um, ah. <laughs> Add that to my repertoire. <laughs> uh, so, um, if we're just looking for uh, accommodation, uh, we can go to, uh, well, we can go to Kuzu's, or we could go to uh, well, the other one that might be kind of recommended nearby, uh, the Churlish Gnome, or uh, or there's the one that's uh, very very close but much rougher, uh, the Snowy Peak Outfitters. Oh, I'm, whichever one closer? Yeah, yeah whichever one is, is less walking. Okay. Uh, the Snowy Peak Outfitters is probably the closest one. Um, it is kind of like, uh, it is mostly a general store and outfitters, but they do have essentially a way station, a place for people who are coming to Bleak Spire. Uh, they have a place for them to rest, to bunk out, but it's kind of like a hostel is kind of the idea. Rather than individual rooms, you pay for a bunk uh, in their big communal hostel room. Uh, I'm liking this idea less and less. <laughs> uh, the other one, which is fairly close, is the Churlish Gnome, which is more of a conventional like inn, place to stay, hotel kind of thing. Conventional in place. Hmm. I'm sure they've got a fireplace somewhere there. <laughs> That's more normal for once. Yeah. <laughs> I will give this one to you now. <laughs> I'm too cold to fight it. Perfect. Uh, so you are led to the Churlish Gnome uh, Inn, and you see uh, the sign on the outside. It's like a painted gnome with his arms crossed and just a scowl on his face. Um, and as you enter, you just hear, Oh, hey, what you doing here? What do you want? Oh, uh, we came seeking a churlish gnome. Oh, well, <laughs> look at that. You found one. All right, all right, okay. Came seeking a churlish gnome. You found one. Now get out. Ah, good. You live up to the reputation, then. We we also came seeking a place to stay. Oh, you're one of those. You want two things. All right, all right, okay. Yeah, you got the Churlish Gnome for free. You can play it. You can stay. Uh, we're uh, oh, three that would also be quite nice if, if the third thing is on the menu. Oh, sorry, and, and I, some f- food. Food? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, okay. And, and, a, and a hot bath. Wow. Oh, wow. You you're demanding so much. So yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, and this gnome, who was just kind of like standing, leaning against their bar. Uh, comes forward, uh, looks over at all of you with their eyes squinting. You can pay. Of course. Why wouldn't you pay? Hey, you know, 
Some people think they can come in here, get a look at the churlish gnome, and then they uh, then they bounce. They don't even pay. Some of them want uh, want to stay, but then I wake up in the morning, and they're gone. So payment up front before you sleep. And Wait, are you charging us to look at you, or are you charging us for the rooms? Hey, you said you came in here looking for a churlish gnome. You saw a churlish gnome. That's a service rendered. That's one silver. I'm too cold to bother on this here. I don't care. (laughs) All right. So are we talking individual rooms? Are we talking like one big room for the party? Uh, You're talking two rooms? I don't know. What do you you need? How much is a room? Five silver. Oh. Do you have four, four rooms? Yeah, I got four rooms. What do you think this is? It's an inn. I, I thought it was a churlish gnome. Churlish gnome inn. Read the sign. It's got the word inn right underneath the churlish gnome. Oh. You're quite churlish. Yeah. Congratulations. You can read and you can make associations. All right. So a room each. What about for the frog thing? Uh, uh, hey, that frog thing's got a name. Well, you haven't introduced me, so how do I know? I haven't introduced myself, and you're not calling me a human thing. I, I'm not describing you to anybody else, but uh, turns to Lonlin. This human thing's sure uppity. I don't know if I like him or hate him. <laughs> anyway, his name is Pierre. Pierre, do you want a room of loan or what? Oh, well, I'll just I'll, I'll just sleep wherever. I I don't I, I don't want to incur extra costs. Five silver is very very steep. Um, I I I can just sleep under a table. We'll uh, take it. We'll take another room for him. Yes. Uh, first of all, um, exceptionally rude service that I have no patience for at the moment. Thank uh, you. Do not call any of us things. We have been through enough, and we are trying to save a lot of people. Please, can we just get five rooms? We'll pay whatever you want. Oh, you'll pay whatever I want. Okay, maybe. No, it's not- no, 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 no. You said the cost was five silver. We're gonna keep it to the five silver. All right, twenty-five silver plus one for looking at me. That's twenty-six silver. It's gonna be another three silver total if you want food. How about this? You give us five rooms, or I will burn this place to the ground. Oh, we got a threatener here. All right, well, let me uh, just go find my enforcers. Uh, and so I'm going to use yeah. calm emotions on this note. <laughs> <laughs> just be like, oh, no, hang on, let's talk about it, and just cast calm emotions. <laughs> uh, what sort of save is calm emotions? Uh, it's a charisma of 14. Uh, I'm going to say this guy has a minus two because he's not very charismatic. What? No. <laughs> so charming. <laughs> does he have domish whatever? Uh, oh, he does. He would be, have advantage. All right. Oh, thank no. you. Craig. <laughs> <laughs> hey. uh, with the advantage, he rolled a 16. A generous minus kind. two. So he rolled a there 14. So I think he still misses. He, uh... He made it, so I think he makes it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Did you seriously just try to calm my emotions using magic? 
What the hell do you, you think? You know what? I can call you emotions using money. You know what? You know what? 30 gold for the rooms. 30 what? silver for the rooms. 30 silver for the rooms plus five for the food now. Uh, okay. Uh, we, we got off on the wrong foot. Yeah, you think? Um, how about um, you give us the rooms? At the price that we originally agreed on, and in return, I will provide you with a uh, a trip to a museum of sorts. <laughs> Make me a persuasion check with disadvantage. Please, I wish I could assist. Okay, all right. So the first one was an eighteen. Oh, natural 20! What's in the advantage, though? Oh, so, wait. Uh, persuasion? Yeah. Oh, that's, but, that's still, like, I, 25. Oh, my lord. Nice. Uh, this, uh, this churlish gnome uh, looks at you, says, all right. all right, I can do that. You know, I may not look it, but I, uh, I enjoy a good museum. I like to keep my knowledge up. Uh, payment up front. So we'll do, uh, you know what? 25 all in, five rooms, meals, whatever you want. Let's go to a museum. Fantastic. Marcus, so he counts as willing now, right? Absolutely, he counts as willing. Oh, oh. <laughs> I don't like to hear that. Finally. Um, <laughs> fantastic. I'm glad that we could come to an agreement and she's going to reach forward and put her hand on his hand and they're both going to go to the archives. <laughs> so after making this agreement with the churlish gnome himself, uh, Lisette reaches forward, grabs his hand, and there is a shift in the air. Uh, the people watching, everyone watching, watches as kind of that inkiness that surrounds creatures that are blasted by Lisette's Eldritch Blast comes up and surrounds both of them, the gnome and Lisette. And you watch as a rip in space-time itself opens. And it kind of opens like a book would open. Um, and you see that the ink around the these two like swirls and intensifies and forms a series of words in a whole bunch of different languages. Um, but the one you kind of keep seeing is uh, archives and it looks like it's just archives in a bunch of different words. And this rip opens up like a book uh, and kind of comes forward, uh, comes forward, surrounds the two of them. And then just the book covers slam closed and as soon as they slam closed, it disappears and you are left alone without Lisette. And before we go to the archives, what do you guys think of Lisette disappearing with the churlish gnome? Wait, she just has a museum in her pocket and she never invited us? I don't think it's a good museum, Lonlin. I think it's the type of museum one doesn't want to visit. I mean, museums can be boring, but they can still be good. <laughs> I feel like I'm a dangerous one. But, uh, I think the question is now, do we have to pay him? <laughs> Why wouldn't we pay him? He's coming back. 
share a look with Cricket. <laughs> and I just feel like I, I, I look up and I'm like, I, I swear I just heard a chuckle from somewhere when we said that. <laughs> and with yeah, that, it's, just the, it's just the wind. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's fair. Uh, we cut to a vast, dark hallway, uh, a red ceiling, a roiling ceiling of red clouds but the clouds seem to be formed of knowledge itself it's an abstract strapped it's an abstract concept but the words the knowledge the clouds form the ceiling form the illumination of this long hallway we enter into this incredibly vast unending seeming library with stacks of books going up 40 feet into the air and hallways and walkways going in every direction from this. And in front of us, we see a central atrium, a little central area with dark inlaid wood, uh, dark inlaid wood flooring with runes and words carved on whole bunch of different languages uh, forming an intricate pattern that looks chaotic on first glimpse. But Lisette, as you've spent more and more time, you've begun to see the pattern in this floor work. And there is a central desk, a little central waiting desk with just circulation written in a gold plaque on the front. And on this, you just see one big tome in the very center of the circulation desk. And as you find yourself here, Lisette, this feels both familiar and yet always different. Every time you come in here, it feels like you are arriving at the same location, but also a completely new area of the library than before. And the gnome, uh, as soon as they arrive, the gnome buckles over and just starts coughing. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I do not feel good. What is that? Sorry, it's been a minute since I've done that last. Um, So uh, enjoy your field trip. Um, and then I am going to cast Shatter and shout, Oh, boys, I bought another one! <laughs> go back to the hotel. Oh, my God! Amazing. Uh, as this <laughs> echoes through, you just, just before you leave, the churlish gnome looks at you and just says, What? And then you're gone. <laughs> and folks, like a few seconds after Lisette and the Churlish Gnome left, Lisette reappears again, like from a book opening up uh, and then taking a step forward. And then the book uh, closes softly and spins down and down and down and down until it eventually becomes just a mote of light and disappears. Uh, so it's our hotel now and we don't have to pay. Um, <laughs> Wow, uh, great uh, negotiation. He really liked that uh, place, didn't he? Oh, yeah, he's going to have such a great time. <laughs> Wait, he just gave us the hotel? Um, 
call it? Uh, it's under new management, and that management happens to be us. Uh, Lizette, you need to make some sort of persuasion or deception check there. I don't actually know. What I'm inciting like. this so hard. <laughs> all I'm hearing is Pierre has a hotel. That's all I'm hearing. Uh, uh, deception, was it? Or persuasion, whatever you feel you're, if you feel you're being honest. Oh, yeah. so, oh, it's a four. I mean, I'm, I'm being honest as a 14. All right. I also got a 14. Under <laughs> new management. It's... I think it's under new management, but I think uh, with a with a matching thing, uh, Lomlin, you definitely get the sense that uh, it was maybe not like there wasn't a lot of time to have a proper agreement. And the sense you got of the Trillish Gnome is that he would not just like give up a hotel for no reason. Um, and I think you definitely get the sense that it's under new management, but probably not willingly. Sorry, I'm just <laughs> um processing. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I'm still, still dying. I was just gonna talk about like how Pierre can uh you know maybe own this as well. Get a few of his uh his family here. And, who knows? Investment properties. Hmm. That- that could be very good for the community. Yes, um... Yes, all of your communal breeding can happen here. <laughs> it's a brothel now, good God. No! A brothel. No. I think I might just... Maybe I'll put a pin in that one. Um... And uh, if we do take it over, we'll just rename it the Grungish Home or something. Do we even know how to run a hotel? I mean, oh, it, I, it seems I, weird that he just gave it to us. I, I've I've had, it's been one of my 20 jobs. I used to run a hotel back in Olmenaeus. I, <laughs> I mean, he was kind of an ass, but I'm not comfortable leaving him there though it <sighs> is he that trillish well he's a museum there has to be an exit right uh, uh, yeah. um, but he, he called us things and he was exceptionally rude and I'm he, I, he's going to be fine eventually I mean I was fine so it's more of a temporary uh, absence of leave from his job. Uh, you just made the arch nemesis, didn't you? I mean, I'm now not going to do. <laughs> Can we at least get him back before we leave? If he's not back then? Well, we can get him back whenever we want. It's more just he's... Uh, not in that much of a rush, but if we could at least get him back before we leave Bleak Spire, that'd probably be good. I'm assuming that we can... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's no no rush. I mean, maybe it could do him some good to whatever happens in there. But, uh, probably not do him some good. Anyways, uh, let's go to the rooms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot that I'm cold again. I'm <laughs> like super perplexed and it's just thinking hard. Oh. Uh. 
Uh, perfect. As you uh, find yourselves in the hotel, which is now lacking official management, um, you are able to find rooms. Uh, you actually find that there is one occupied room, uh, which as you like go to rattle the door, you just hear, go away, gnome. And talk be the enforcers. Uh, and uh, I think, yeah, you uh, you eventually find your own rooms and that one room after like a minute or two, the door opens and you just see uh, two Goliaths standing in there. Uh, they seem to be in the middle of like honestly having a fist fight. Um, and uh, they're just kind of like bloody lipped uh, shirtless and they look out don't see anybody in the hallway, go back in. And then you eventually just hear like a more soft, like, supposed to be fighting sounds guys. That's a brawl for sure. I mean, guys, we're going to be naming this, the, the grung brothel area. So, I mean, <laughs> Makes sense right now. Uh, <laughs> How did oh, we so get I, here? <laughs> I hope you know that in my notes, I set, I title each session. Yeah. Uh, and the the session's notes are just Grung Brothel. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm calling this session to make for myself. Uh. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go take a nap now because I am really tired. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so yeah, you are able to have a nap. Um, Pierre is happy to go out and get you food as happy to like prepare food in the kitchen. Um, anytime, like basically if you like kind of imply that you might want something, Pierre arrives with it within two minutes, uh, having just like run out and grabbed it from wherever. Um, and, uh, yeah, the two Goliaths, uh, don't actually come out into the common room, but you do hear the sounds of definitely like a fist fight. It is definitely a fist fight that you hear uh, <laughs> that perpetuates throughout the night. Um, <laughs> throughout the night? Throughout the night? Basically, they, they wake up, they fight, they fall unconscious, they wake up, they fight, they fall unconscious. <laughs> The more, the more that you insist that this is a fight, the more suspicious that I am that it's not a fight. Right, <laughs> You might have. Hold on. Oh. <laughs> Crying. <laughs> wow. Okay. Great. Cool. Maybe 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 made, you know made courtship rituals in Bleak Spire are just different. Honestly, I did it. <laughs> I shirtless <laughs> gnome troopers. All right, done. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you all have a long rest. You wake up. <laughs> Uh, the city of Bleak Spire is cold and bleak. Right, There's a big spire in the middle. It's time for a long rest. <laughs> before, before we have a long rest, can Longwind like go 
go talk to uh, to Lizette for a second. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Where would Lizette be? I mean, there's an entire end to yourselves other than <laughs> other than one room. <laughs> oh, and then we'll go look for Lizette, and uh, if she She's finds her. Room. Okay. Or, yeah. Yeah. She'll knock on the door politely. Uh, Is that? Yes, Lonlin? Can I come in? Of course. She'll let herself in, close the door behind her, and just kind of stand there and kind of eye her up and down suspiciously for a moment and ask that gnome fellow is he in danger? Right. Um, I wouldn't say that he's in danger. He's no more in danger than I was when I first went to the archives. It's... He's going to be okay. If that makes you feel better about what I presume you are suspicious of me for doing. That was a very long-winded yes. I have the tendency to overspeak. You didn't take him to a museum, did you? It is a museum of sorts. It's what what is an archive, but a museum of information instead of artifacts. I took him to the place that did this to me. I don't appreciate the insult of people that I have grown to care about. And you thought the best way was to bring him to the place that did this to you. You thought that was fair. Yes. I was brought there for no reason. Why shouldn't he be brought there for something that he did that was wrong? Well, I'm just glad to know where we stand, and she's just going to take her leave and head to her room. And Lizette will continue to read. And then we'll, like, position, like, the dwarf ice, like, kind of like the ice dwarf, like, in the corner with, like, a blanket over his head <laughs> and just, like, go to sleep. <laughs> I love the tone shift of, like, Grung Brothel this and then immediately like an adorable <laughs> thing <laughs> we gotta keep the audience on their toes man <laughs> uh and i think no one's allowed to be comfortable we always have to shift everything <laughs> never know what to expect get this whiplash going yeah. uh, wait they're using whips now <laughs> and we're gonna end our session there <laughs> Thank you. 
Tune in next time for another exciting adventure in the Dirty Twenties. Will our heroes find a way to thaw the dwarf that Lonlin carries? What info will they gain in Bleakspire? And will my players ever let me live down the sounds of the Goliaths, who were definitely fighting in the other room? Tune in to find out. In the meantime, visit www.dirty20spodcast.com, all spelled out to be the unchurliest gnome around. If you want to contact us, you can send us an email at dirty20spodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and if you send us any fan art, we'll be sure to add it to the website. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe on whichever podcasting app you use. My name is Marcus Dusick. My players were Craig Chapman, Richard Chapman, Toby McGowan, and Emily White. Until next time, friends, stay safe, stay kind, and don't take any wooden nickels.